Welcome to Solutions for Higher Education, a podcast by Scott L. Wyatt, President of Southern Utah University in Cedar City, Utah. To subscribe to this podcast, please visit www.suu.edu forward slash President's Podcast, where you will find both the audio and a written transcript for today's podcast. Hi again, everyone, and welcome to Solutions for Higher Education, a podcast featuring Scott L. Wyatt, the president of Southern Utah University in Cedar City, Utah. I'm your host, Steve Meredith, and joining me today, as he always does, is Scott Wyatt. Thank you. Thank you, Steve. It is great to be here today. Good to see you again. I mentioned in our last podcast that my favorite thing to do is to talk to students. I love all of our guests, but I love it when we have student guests and Today we have two more joining us. Why don't you introduce them? We do, and we're so happy to have them both here with us. Uh, Shanna Bartell and Newman Kanta. Thanks for both joining us. Shannon, let's start with you. So um, you're a student here at SUU. Why don't you tell us a little bit about your major and what your goals are in life? Okay, sure. So I am in the aviation program. And um, my whole point of that is to become a private pilot. And we study quite a few things in that, like the meteorology and a lot of different things, physics and stuff that go into that. But my goal is to become a private pilot and fly commercially. And um, how do you like those uh, planes we've got out there? Oh, I love them. I actually (laughs) had the opportunity to fly one back from the Oshkosh Air Show. And that was just an amazing experience. experience that I was able to have, and I just love them. They're beautiful. So we, <clears throat> this isn't about the airplanes, <laughs> but we, we do have these beautiful Cirrus airplanes that have um, parachutes and um, all the safety things. They're probably the safest airplane in the, that anybody's using to teach flight. Yeah. And, and I think they're also the prettiest yeah, they're like little sports cars, the sports car <laughs> version of airplanes. And I work as a mechanic over at the airport as well, so I get to work on them and get my hands on them all the time, and I just love them. Well, I'm glad you're, I'm glad you think the same way about them that I do. Anyway, going to school is a little bit of a challenge for you. It doesn't come easy. Um, why don't you tell us a little bit about your background? Okay. So I am from Taylorsville, Utah, and I grew up in, well, my life's been a little crazy along the way, and I've had a lot of challenges. Um, My family, just none of my parents went to college, and I don't have a lot of relatives that did. Um, And I started life really, really young, got married when I was 16, had my first kid when I was 17, and I was just a stay-at-home mom, and I did a bunch of sewing and side projects and stuff like that, but I had pretty much written out college. And then I went through a divorce and decided that I needed to figure out how to support all my kids and was trying to figure out how to do that. How many kids? I have five kids. Five. Yeah. And my parents passed away in when I was in my early 20s. And so I took on my little sister, who is now 17. So you're a single parent of essentially six kids. That is right. Trying to figure out how to get through life, pay the bills get a good education so that you can make money to take care of your family. And uh, obviously money grows on trees, so it wasn't a problem. 
Do they? I've been trying to find them. <laughs> you don't have a money tree at your no, house? No, <laughs> I've been looking and asking. Everyone keeps them to themselves. <clears throat> well, it's interesting because um, the students that we have here, when, when they quit for whatever reason and don't finish, we ask them, you know, what were your challenges? What were the issues? What could we do better to help you? And um, by far, the largest response is, I just don't have the money right now. I, I don't have it. So I'm going to drop out and go back to work, see if I can save enough money and come back. And so many of those students don't ever find their way back. Yeah, I believe that. Um, so you're here um, on the benefit of some scholarship help. Yeah, absolutely. Scholarships have helped me a lot make this possible. And um, they're going to carry me through. Like, I already have some scholarships for the next year lined up that I've been awarded, and I couldn't do it without those. You have six kids. You have no parents. If somebody wasn't helping you, this just wouldn't be possible, would it? For sure. I mean, there wouldn't be enough time in the day for me to even work enough, to save enough, to go on my own. Well, Steve and I have children. We do. (laughs) And I think having six children is... Like a full time and a half. Yeah, it is job. It's that's quite a remarkable story, and and made the more remarkable, I think, by the fact that you're one of the few women in our aviation program. Is that right? Yeah, we've actually got quite a few new girls coming in this year. Um, but when I started, I think we had two other female aviation students. And you're also a mechanic. I'm working on my AMP. So I started. Oh. Um, over there is reception, worked admin for a little while, um, but I really wanted to learn maintenance and the systems. And so there was an opening for a student worker, and I work over there part-time. Um, you have to work with under an AMP for 30 months, and I'm about halfway there before I can take my test for that. Working part-time, raising six kids, getting a bachelor's degree, learning how to fly, pretty complicated. But as soon as you get through your schooling, there is a great job waiting Yeah, absolutely. They're desperate in the industry. And so that's what's so exciting is not only is there a lot of work and a lot of money involved, but it's something that I care about and have a passion for. So I couldn't ask for anything better. How did you find your passion for flying? So Has that always been part of your life? or? My dad loved aviation and we Hmm. grew up by the Salt Lake Airport and he always talked about buying a plane and getting his helicopter license. And that was something that we always talked about and dreamed about. And when he passed away, I was really sad that I had to kind of give that up because we were going to do it together. And then when I moved down here, we had the school flying around and I started asking questions because I saw helicopters and it's such a small town. I was surprised. So I started asking neighbors and people at the grocery store and whatever, just kind of poking around like, what's with the aircraft? And I found out there was a school here. So um, my twins were about a year old, and I felt like I could probably get a job, and they'd be okay if I started working on the weekend. So I just waited for a job opening over at the flight school and something that I could qualify for, and I had worked reception before. So when I saw there was a weekend reception job, it would mean that my husband at the time could watch them you know, on the weekend, and then I wouldn't work during the week. And so I just jumped in, and my third day on the job, I got to go for a backseat flight, and I never let it go. Like, I was hooked. <laughs> <laughs> so I happened to be the first SUU employee that flew one of the Cirrus. Oh, yeah? Now, when I say that, that suggests that I'm a 
pilot, but I'm not. <laughs> but the, you know, the salesmen, they just really want to get the. Oh, yeah. They just want to get the guy with the checkbook in the plane. Absolutely. <laughs> so, so Smart I've, guys. Yeah. So I've flown the Cirrus airplane. I've flown the Cirrus jet, too. And, you know, it's always when you say you flew it. Somebody was sitting there oh. with his hands trembling. I've also driven an 18-wheeler. <laughs> I, I wasn't in the seat with the wheel, but yeah. ready to take over in a second's notice. Um, how much further do you have? Uh, so I got my private license in April, and that doesn't sound like much, but that's actually the hardest lab. And so just learning how to fly and get my landings down and stuff, I feel like I don't have much to go, um, but I still probably have about a year. I have to do my instrument, my commercial part one and two, and then my CFI. And then you'll start instructing for a while? Yes. If they will hire me, I definitely will. Okay. Well, I'm sure they will. (laughs) If they're listening to this. That's right. (laughs) It should be a help. Uh, Newman. Yes. So um, why don't you tell us a little bit about your background? I'm in Newman County. I'm from Mali, West Africa. I am uh, one of the uh, first in my community uh, to, to go to college and study in America. And, one, of, uh, one of the first in your community, not yes. just in your family. Yes, uh, to be a college student. And uh, I am uh, first in my family history, meaning my great-great-grandparents parent uh, to graduate from high school and attend a college. So you're not a first-generation college student. You're a first-generation high school graduate. High school graduate, <laughs> yes. Plus college. Plus college. <laughs> um, and then tell us how you found your way from Mali to Mount Pleasant, Utah. And then we'll go from Mount Pleasant to... It's a direct flight, isn't it? Cedar City. <laughs> I wish there was a direct flight. That would be awesome. <laughs> Mount um, Pleasant is where you went to high school. Yes. I, when, I was the first, when I was four years old, I left my family and go a different part of Mali. Uh, I always wanted to go to school and learn different things and trying different things. And uh, where my parents were, there was no school. I never see a person have a book or writing or something. But when I saw my dad uh, paying somebody uh, to, he sell the chicken. When I first saw him, um, you know, he told me to grab a chicken and he sell that chicken to uh, pay somebody to, write his letter and read it. And that uh, moment, I thought uh, my dad is ineducated. Uh, he didn't go to school. Uh, but now, as a son, what I can do about that? So this, how old were you when this happened? I was four years old. Four years old. Yes. Your dad's got a letter. He needs to read it, but he can't read. He can read and nobody will read it to him unless he pays them. Yes. So he turns over a chicken, which is a pretty valuable thing. Yes. In order to get somebody to read for him. You're watching this and saying, 
I'm not going to be paying chickens for people to read to me. For people to me, yes. So you left home and stayed. Uh, who did you stay with? I didn't stay with anybody as I left home. I was uh, around, you know, uh, just lay down around the next to the building or I would stay in the school. Since, you were homeless? Yes, I was homeless at that time. But you were going to school? I was going to school. How I, far away was this from your home? It was a 50 kilometers. 50 kilometers from your village? From my village. So I didn't get to see my parents that much. And uh, I didn't have a phone or write them a letter because nobody could read that. And uh, I was just completely disconnected uh, with my family. That's a pretty heavy price to pay to go to school as a kid. Yeah. So then after you're in school for a while, then how did you get connected with um, Wasatch Academy, which is a high school in Mount Pleasant, Utah? Yeah. So... While I was going to school in Willisibugu, I saw uh, love to walk around, and uh, I saw uh, a guy who was a mayor and got his uh, master degree in uh, a BYU. Uh, it was from uh, Willisibugu, and uh, he was driving a car, and uh, he drove to his house, and I saw him, you know, stop out of the car and open the gate. And then drive a car again, and then it was wind blowing, and then, you know, as soon as there's nobody to hold the the gate for him, so I saw that, and I ran into him, and I put the uh, rocks into the gate so he could drive on his driveway at the house, and then uh, he stopped at the car and asked me, "Hey, young man, where are you from? You know, who are you?" And uh, what did you, why did you help me? And I said, uh, I told him where, you know, I'm from and, uh, you know, what I'm doing here. And he asked me where I live. I said, uh, I don't have a home and uh, I'm going to school. And he invited me to his house. And uh, I was, I lived with him about two years and, uh, you know, I'm, I speak French. And uh, when his friends would come from France and in America, uh, just do humanitarian uh, project in Mali, and I'll be the interpreter. And uh, now I have a house, you know, I have a place to stay. And I eat pretty well, and then I, I'm going to school. But at the same time, I have a little job, and uh, just be interpreter for those visitors. And uh, I met a guy who really was just so touched by... Um, he was impressed the way I greet people, the way I carry myself, you know, do the all the little things to them. And uh, he just decided, he asked me, what is my goals? And so I said, I just want to go to school. I want to keep learning. And he said, uh, would you like to come to America? And I said, what is America? And <laughs> <laughs> what and, is America? Yeah. And he said, that's where I am from. And then uh, um, he was able to reach out to Wasatch, and they give me a full-ride scholarship to come study uh, there. So that's how I got to Wasatch and uh, Utah. So how old were you when you came to Wasatch Academy? I was 14. 14. Yes. So about four years old, you moved mm -hmm. out on your own. Yeah. 
And then you spend seven or eight years, I guess, living homeless until Uh this family took you in. Mm -hmm. And then you come out all the way to Wasatch Academy in Mount Pleasant, Utah, which is about as far away as what we would think Timbuktu is. (laughs) Yes, there's no direct flight. (laughs) And of course, I use the word Timbuktu for a reason, because Timbuktu is in Mali. Yes. So that's where you're from. Mm Mm-hmm. Graduated from Mount uh, from Wasatch Academy in Mount Pleasant. Yes, and then um, actually, your headmaster called me. Oh, and said I need some help for Newman. Wow! But there were other people that were helping you mm-hmm. along the way. Yes. Um, and what are you majoring in? I major in uh, business management and philosophy. And what's your goal? My goal is to um, become an international business owner and uh, use that business and help my country out. And I also plan to run for office in Mali. So, the, and you're here on scholarship help? Yes. As you have been um, ever since you started high school? High school, yes. It's, I think it's helpful for the listener to know that uh, Wasatch Academy is a private school, so that you have to pay tuition to go there. To go there, yes. Um, so you've been getting scholarship help all the way through high school and then so far here at Southern Utah University. That's correct. Without scholarship help, where would you be? I think I would be in Mali by you'd now. Be homeless in Mali, would be you? hopeless in Mali and... Uh, um, really no English at all by now. And I don't know how my life would be uh, without the help and uh, uh, people who uh, believe in me and really trust they got to invest in me. It's pretty remarkable. And uh, that includes you as well. Uh, I'm, you just, I'm just inspired by your leadership and uh, all the help you have provided me. Well, that's nice of you to say that about Steve. <laughs> 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 and uh, I just I just hope to use your exemplary leadership uh, into Mali. Well, it's, it's fun, Steve, to talk to these two students um, because we've got uh, Shanna, who you start out as a... Sup- not expected, but a surprise single mother of six. And you're either going to be on welfare rolls and your children are going to grow up in a home without um, a role model, um, or you're going to find a way to go to school. And that only happens because of scholarship help from people. Yeah. What a difference that makes for you and then what makes for the six children that you've got and their children and families and communities and a whole family of people that can contribute who otherwise wouldn't have been able to. Yeah, and that's what I always tap on when I write my thank you letters to the scholarship donors is that this is more to me than just money that gets me by. I mean, it's affecting my posterity um, in a lot of profound ways, and it's inspiring my kids and my little sister and other single moms and other students and other women in aviation to dream big and that it's possible and that people want to support you, that you're not alone. How, how does it impact... 
obviously the finances makes it possible. But either one of you, how, how does the fact that somebody is investing in you, uh, how does that impact how you see your studies and your future? Uh, me personally, it helps me focus uh, because, you know, there's a, a reason behind why they are involved and in investing. Um, they know uh, with their help, it's going to be, it's, it's going to change or, you know, not just going to change my life, but my family's life, you know, and my children, you know, and uh, you know, everybody in my community. And uh, it just kind of inspire young people to see how somebody started nothing and, uh, you know, with the help and it's going to get to where he want to be. And for me, it it makes me want to try harder, I think, than if this was a little easier or if it wasn't given to me. If this was just, you know, I had some parents that had a bunch of money that were just trying to help me through, then... Maybe I, I wouldn't try as hard, but because I know that people are donating this to me and supporting me and believing in me, it makes me not want to give up. It makes me not want to waste their time and money. And I also know that this is my shot. Uh, if I fail, then I can't just try again. I just don't have the means, especially with the aviation program and how expensive it is. I just couldn't do this if I don't make it happen right now. And so um, that's great. And it, it helps me feel like if someone else believes in me that I can believe in me too. If they believe in me enough to invest in me, then those hard days when I think I can't do this, I'm like, I have to do this. And I think, I think I can, if they think I can, I must be able to do this. So it's, it's really a positive thing. Yeah. They're taking money that they worked hard for and they're giving it to you like an investment in the whole community. And, and in your case, Newman, the whole world, it's an investment in a better world. Mm -hmm. Um, a better world here and everywhere. Everywhere, yes. So, um, have you met your donors, the the people that have donated scholarship money for you? So, you for me, um, I know that Colonel Matheson um, has met me before, and he called me up. I got a scholarship from him my first semester, and he followed up with me a year later and took me for a flight in his plane and asked me how I was doing and what's holding me back and how far I've come. And he talked with me. So that was really wonderful. And um, I have a dinner up in Salt Lake actually this next weekend where I get to go up for the FJ Management Fund um, and they have their banquet up there so I can kind of talk with them and say thank you and see people face to face. But other than that, it's just been thank you letters. I haven't been able to meet anyone. Yeah, so you've got uh, a local person who's um who's a pilot spent been, been his life flying yeah who's taken a particular interest in you and then your dinner in salt lake is with the management of it's actually maverick and flying j mm -hmm. yes so you're going to meet with those people and um say thanks and that's a pretty impressive group of people to donate to you yeah absolutely do you, do you buy more food at Maverick? You know, I'm a little happier when I fill up my gas and I feel like I didn't have the money for that much, but then I'm like, oh, but they help me out so much. <laughs> yeah, well, there's there, um, there are so many doing this, but those are some of them that are contributing to you and you've had a chance to connect somehow or another. Yeah. Or will. And Newman, you've had a chance to talk to some of those that have helped you. Yes, some of them are, but not all of them. Um, I 
So I got the uh, staff association uh, scholarship, and uh, you know some of them are you know my co-workers uh, and uh, my um, people I work with in the office, and uh, some of them are just on campus. So I get to I got a chance to um, see them, but uh, not those who are living far away and uh, um, those who just do it. Uh, without even letting me know it so well and and you have a job too don't you yes i have a job both of you are working Mm part-time um so working part-time and getting other help so it's not like you're just slacking around (laughs) no (laughs) no i I wish (laughs) yeah president sometimes in our job we deal with um very large donors who get their names on buildings and we appreciate them more than we can say but I've always thought that scholarships in their own way in countless maybe smaller donations uh, have a larger impact on the individual student than do the the, the really large uh, donations that we receive and it's I've always thought a real measure of how much people love education that work at a university is is how much they donate back in scholarship money and other yeah. you know and other time and and I think SUU does a great job with that. Yeah. 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 So some of the big donations make the whole education process possible for sure. us. Sure. Sure. And then it's the smaller donations sometimes that make it possible for individuals. Yeah. I think an example of uh that would be the business building, uh, the new business building. Uh, it's great building. It's beautiful. And uh, I just appreciate it so much that I can have all of my classes, you know, next to each other. And then I'm not, I'm well prepared and I'm not late anymore. And it's, since it's starting getting cold, I don't have to walk. Since I <laughs> entered the building, I, I stay there the, until I'm out. Um, yeah. But without the scholarship to pay for tuition and books and rent, I can I can't be I cannot enter that building because I think combining both together is is really remarkable and it's inspiring. Yeah, in the business building that's um, our Dixie Lovett School of Business building is was paid for. The majority of the money came from private donors. Um, most of it. And that's um, and if you ever took classes in the old business building, it's not just convenient to not have to go outside and cross campus, but it is a spectacular improvement. It's a beautiful lots new of, building. Lots of group study space. It, it's a, it makes it so we can really teach business the way it ought to be taught. Yeah. Um, well, what would you say to the somebody that's trying to decide on whether to donate money to a scholarship or not, what would you, what would you tell them? Or we're getting close to the Christmas season. Shanna, what would you say? Um, I would just say that if you are trying to decide, then always choose yes, because it's, you could give in other ways to the community or to family members or whatever, but those scholarships really impact people's life. Um, in a big scale kind of way. Um, and even I feel like people feel like if they don't have a lot of money that they shouldn't be giving, but 
small scholarships, like you guys said, sometimes are amazing help. And like for me, the aviation program, I got a couple like kind of larger scholarships, but I've gotten a bunch of little ones that help. And for me, like the each semester in the aviation program is more than I make an entire year working part time. And so those little ones really add up. Like there's no amount that's too big or too small or anything. And I look forward to a day that I'm on the giving side instead of the receiving side of scholarships so that I can give back. And I wish that more people would so that it opened up more opportunities. I think on top of that, um, I would say, you know, you know, just changing our lives, um, you're changing our families, you know, or friends who are uh, far away from, you know, back home. And, you know, when I come home, they just look at me like, how did you do this? How did you do this? So they see the possibility. But the thing behind that is the donors, the helpers, uh, the people who, you know, involved, they are the possibility. And I think that's really, uh, that's really something I really admire. And uh, I'm just so grateful for, um, for them to contribute in my life and uh, my family and my community. I think Mali will appreciate them someday. Someday when you're running Mali, It'll be a better country. It would be, because of them. <laughs> because of them. <laughs> yes. It's so interesting to think of it that way, that yeah. somebody sitting here in Utah or wherever they might be, because we have alumni all over the country. Mm-hmm. In fact, um, we have students at SUU from 49 out of the 50 states. That's right. This year we're missing somebody from Delaware, and we've got to get out there and find Come them. on, Delaware. There's got to be somebody so yeah. we can say all 50. But then we've got students from 61 to countries, 63 countries. And, um, and that means we have alumni all over the world. Oh. So, so the donations that we get for scholarships are coming from lots and lots of places. But for, a, but for somebody that lives here in Utah or Cedar City and contributes to a scholarship— sometimes don't they don't really understand that they might be changing the world in Mali Mm -hmm. or they might be helping a single mother get through school it's it it becomes really personal but big when you think of the ramifications little seeds and big 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 trees trees. Yeah. yeah helping communities and nations and families and individuals it's kind of fun, isn't it? Yeah. We were talking on this uh, podcast a while ago about happiness. We were. And one of the keys of happiness is getting outside of yourself and being of service. That's yeah. That gets you to stop thinking of your own problems and, and seeing uh, your contributions in the bigger world. Yep, and seeing the impact that these scholarships have had on these students' lives, just seeing their faces here. I know you don't get to notice that on the podcast, <laughs> but just seeing their faces here <laughs> has made me very happy. Yeah. Yeah, we've got uh, four people in this room, and one of us belongs on radio. That's probably me. Yeah, for sure. The rest of you all look awesome. (laughs) (laughs) Back when I was studying this, they had. It was pretty clear that I had a a radio face, as they say, (laughs) radio face. Yeah, Yeah, I don't know what I'd say about that. Anyway, um, Shanna and um, 
Newman, thank you for joining us today. This has been fun visiting with you, and we hope all the success in the world to you both. And um, we look forward to hearing great things, as we have from other students that have gone through here. But it becomes real personal when you sit down and spend a half an hour talking with somebody. So one of these days, I'm going to get on an airplane to fly somewhere in the world, and Jen, you're going to be you're going to be there greeting me. I'm going to fly to Mali. And Maybe they'll take us to Mali. I was going to say, I'll take us to Mali. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to go visit Newman in the presidential <laughs> palace <laughs> over there. Well, aviation touches so many things, too, because we use it for our utilities and for yeah. all of our packages. I mean, when all your packages right. come to the door, someone flew them there. And there's just a lot of things like our tuna, you know, the tuna boats and the salmon fishing and a lot of the forestries and stuff. So people don't realize how much like aviation impacts everyone, even if you've never been on a plane. Well, and when you put it that way, it's um, the, the, nat, the, the worldwide shortage of pilots that we're projecting over the next decade is stunning. Just for that reason alone, we should all be contributing some funds to help somebody become a pilot because yep. we're going to see um, a tightening of the ability to fly places if we can't really ramp up the number of people that are becoming pilots. Yeah, and it's usually a money issue. I mean, there's a lot of people that want to be or, you know, are capable of being a pilot, and that's where scholarships are a huge big deal because money stops a lot of people. Yeah, and it's these uh, international businesses, Newman, that pull us together as countries and make us dependent on each other and and um, help lift countries. So, anyway, that's great. It's You've been listening to Solutions for Higher Education, a podcast featuring Scott L. Wyatt, the president of Southern Utah University in Cedar City, Utah. We've had as our in-studio guests today two students who are here on scholarship, Newman Conte and Shanna Bartell. Thanks to the two of them for being here. We're sure glad that you were. And to you, our listeners, thank you. We'll be back again soon. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to Solutions for Higher Education. To subscribe to this podcast, please visit www.suu.edu forward slash President's Podcast, where you will find both the audio and a written transcript of today's podcast. The original music for this podcast was composed by Jack Barton, a master's degree student in music technology at SUU. For more information about Southern Utah University, please visit www.suu.edu.